Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Yo. Each week, I bring on a different amazing person who's doing great things in business. And this is part of my 29 Days of Magic series, where I interview a Black woman a day for 29 straight days, all for Black History Month, from all different walks of life. And today, I'm super excited that Angela Mitchell, who is a developer, slash artist, slash pianist. She has an amazing story, and I can't wait for you all to hear more about it. So, take a listen. Hey, Angela, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad you're, you're joining me on the show. So, as I mentioned, light and breezy conversation. First question is always fun. I, I'm very curious to see what your answer is going to be. So, Angela, what was your first job? Oh, my first job, if I'm being like specifically accurate, was uh, a retail associate uh, for Walmart. Um, lasted a week. There's a whole story to that. It was not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I I really like the people aspect of it. I even though I'm an introvert, but just the idea of walking from like one corner of the store to the other and zoning, which is like organizing stuff on shelves. Yeah, it's just it, it was not great. <laughs> it was not for you. You're like, yeah, no, right? <laughs> well, totally. Well, I mean, the, the cool part about always whenever I ask folks about the first job is like, okay, the lesson learned, like walking a country mile every day, not really my thing. That's something I'm not going to do ever again. I get it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It was at a time where I was in a, towards the end of a college um, where I was studying art and music. So it's like very, you know, much on the other side of the spectrum of like type of like, task I would be interested in doing like I you know love working with paints and portraiture and you know learning about music theory the you know cleaning fish tanks hmm but they I, were I really cute that would not be a, I, I could see that could not be a thing for you I, I fully understand yeah um, <laughs> all right so we go from okay Walmart not the move to where you are now so what's that career journey been like yeah, that's it's been a a really surreal experience because it it's also like in a different realm that I didn't expect, but in actually more good ways. Um, so um, after graduating from college, I got into clerical work that didn't go so well as well because it was still um, not as creative, you know, and, and innovative as I was hoping for. And I, I feel like I really wanted to get more of the tangible field, like being able to see the work that I do help people. Um, So after taking a hiatus from working for a bit, uh, my dad, who used to work for Boeing, um, heard about LaunchCode. And LaunchCode's a a nonprofit organization um, that provides uh, different courses uh, for professionals looking to transition in technology. Um, And it's, it's free and Back at the time, it was in person. Now they do virtual sessions as well. Um, and my dad's like, hey, you know, maybe maybe check this out. This may be a, a path forward for you to something different. I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm more on the tech side, you know, art side rather. You know, I messed with tech as a kid, you know, with my dad having like one of like the earliest Apple computers back in the day. But not enough to say like, oh, I, I can go into computer science or anything like that. But I'll give it a try. Um, and 
like surprisingly, I I did fairly well with the the, the couple of courses that I did in 2018 and 2020, um, and worked my way to getting into apprenticeship at VML YNR now VML um, as apprentice for uh, for the for the uh, Bridgestone team that was my first client and yeah I uh, started as the apprentice did that for about six months and then I got converted to full time. Um, and I've been here ever since, so about two and a half years now as a friend and love developer here. Awesome. So it sounds like you went from, I'm going to be an artist, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm now going to um, use my art skills to actually create art in a new way, which is through software development. Yes, it's, it's so surreal. Like, I didn't know, like, if it would really be able to combine you know, my art interest and my tech skills together in such a way, but it, it's been a very nice blend. And so I've been, you know, able to build a look and feel of different uh, websites um, from T-Mobile to Bridgestone to United Rentals as well. Um, just things I've never thought I could do, um, like being able to apply my my art background, you know, that tra- transferable skills, right, you know, into you know, totally different field than I didn't expect. So yeah, it's been 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 an awesome experience. So that's actually really important because you know, obviously, lots of folks who come from the art world oftentimes are like, "We're we're struggling artists, and how do I like, how do I how do I get a regular nine to five while I work on my art?" What do you think has been like the thing that you were able to take from your art skills and translate into your now tech skills? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I feel like in in tech uh like one of the biggest trends is always you know we want to be problem solvers right um and i feel like that's that translates to many industries but especially with the arts both as an artist or a musician um you got to find different ways to deliver that end product so and my my art classes end product would be maybe a portrait in a particular style. Recently, uh, I, I looked back on one of my portraits, self-portraits that I had to do that was supposed to be in a style like expressionism, um, where it's like not 100% in reality. It was more about expressing a feeling. That was really challenging, especially for me. I tend to be a perfectionist and want to kind of like gear towards re- realism, even though I, I love all, uh, impressionism as well. But it was really tricky to shift from that, and you know, I, I, it kind of still didn't look exactly expressionistic, but um, since I was doing a self-portrait, you could kind of maybe see my emotions in it. You know, at the time, I was a bit more stressed during college, so you may be able to see that with the line work and things, and, like, even though I struggled with trying to, to achieve that goal, like, it being 100% expressionistic, I kind of problem-solved through it. But, you know, keeping the end goal in mind, you know, just pushing through things and, you know, getting to the other side to, to complete that that assignment on time. Yeah, as a technologist, you know, things are not, you know, fully predictable. Like when you get a bug, you know, an unexpected behavior, you know, on your on your plate to, to address, you have to kind of be able to adapt. To that situation you might think oh I know the exact answer for this but it may actually not work out when you apply it 
you have to think about like different ways to interpret the problem, research it, get some feedback from other people. That's another thing too with art and music. A lot of that work in college, we we had to do critiques, peer critiques and, and critiques from, from our professors to get feedback on how to improve what worked well. That that translates into tech as well, where we do code reviews and you know check in on the following the best practices. So being able to be adaptable, accepting feedback, that that really uh, translates well from from my arts background into the tech world. Awesome, I love that. I love that um, expression because I think that's a great way of of showing that like as an artist, your art never actually goes away, and the thoughts and the and the sort of um, skills that you develop creating your art actually do mm-hmm. translate in a way. Um, when you work in something like the tech industry, I think it's a it's a really beautiful example that you shared. I, I, um, so, you know, you've you had a complete change in terms of what you want to do from going to be art and now into tech. Thinking about what you've learned so far, what do you think you'd tell eighteen year old Angela based on what you know today? Mm. <laughs> I'm not about this type of question a lot. I tell her, and and I, I keep telling myself this now, you know, probably about two things. It's just like, hey, it's okay for things to change. <laughs> That's probably one of the biggest ones, like the first one. Like, it's okay that for things to change because uh, 18-year-old me for sure was very, very much tied to my path is to be an artist, you know, art musician, you know, extravaganza, whatever, whatever kind of combination that would be. Um, but I really didn't know what that would look like exactly. It's like, well, it's okay for that vision to change. You know, at this point now in my life, I'm seeing being an artist more as a hobby or maybe perhaps a side hustle. You know, it's it's looking a bit different than I imagined before. And some days I'm like, oh, this is not where I thought it would be. And then other days it's like, well, it's not. But maybe it's it's a good thing because it, you know maybe something else has come into life in this in this case tech that you know changed my perspective you know giving me more options back then i didn't think i would be capable of being in the tech industry at all um but you know now i've been open you know my eyes have been open to different opportunities including actually as well um leadership opportunities currently uh, the neurodiversity co-chair um, for a neurodiversity ERG employee resource group um, at our company. And that is something that I, again, didn't imagine could be possible. I, I, I had a lot of limiting beliefs then, and some I still struggle with now that, you know, there's no way I could fill, fill that role. But being able to, I don't know, have that, have more of these opportunities, it's it's showing me that, no, I'm, I'm actually capable of doing different things. And and helping in different ways besides, you know, connecting with an audience through my art and music. Uh, so yeah, number one, things can change, change, and it's okay, you know. Um, and the second thing is, and it's it's something I still tell myself today. It's like you're good enough, <laughs> and that's one that I I still need to tell myself today. It's like you're good enough as you are. Don't try to fit into anyone else's box, you know, carve your path, 
you know, what's for you is you, you know, for you. I feel like if I knew that then, as I know now, I feel like I would have been more comfortable with those changes, as I mentioned, where it's like, oh, I really was tied to this vision. It's like, no, it's like, I, I wish I could have just went with the flow of what, you know, what I wanted to do, not necessarily what anyone else wanted me to do and do the things that I feel like work for me, not what other people think would, you know, be more reasonable or, you know, logical to do. It's like whatever works for you, works for you. Yeah, I would definitely tell my my younger self, you know, you're good enough, you know, whatever you decide and wherever you go. Um, you're not only good enough, you're awesome, Angela. Uh, so <laughs> don't you ever forget it. Um, I love that you shared that. And thank you so much for doing that. So you mentioned that you're the co-chair of our, you know, full transparency, we work at the same advertising agency. Um, mm-hmm. And and you're the co-chair of the, of the uh, Neurodiverse ERG. So for folks out there who are trying to learn, I mean, more about what it means to be a neurodiverse employee and how they can be supportive. What's some things that you guys have done as part of your ERG? Yeah, so full transparency, I um, actually have um, obsessive, been diagnosed rather with obsessive uh, com- cognitive, oh my gosh, why can't I say it? OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. That was a diagnosis I got in college and I didn't know really how that fit into like the neurodiversity world until I got into this group um, at our company. Uh, We're called Wired Not Weird, but um, we also go by the neurodiversity uh, ERG title as well. And in our group, we we really have just been um, a community. Most of that has just been a a biweekly meeting that we come together for an hour, talk about what's been going on at work or in, in our lives. Sometimes we talk specifically about um topics about neurodiversity um ways that we work best ways that we wish you know our environment could change for the better and then you know we may towards the end of the session play a game like wordle or semantle there are a lot of fun word games there or do some creative activities i know like last year or so we did one where we drew ourselves as superheroes and talked about how you know our different uh, traits, the traits that we have are actually not burdens or hindrances, but they could also maybe be perhaps seen as strengths. Um, like for me, for example, I drew myself as, I don't know if I remember the specific title, I think it was like missensitive, something like that, because I'm very, very sensitive to sound needs of other people. I don't know, just different sensory things that I, I've noticed or, you know, the, like again, with the perfectionism, I'm just very attuned to details. And most of the time, I always have felt that um, that attention to detail was a flaw because it slowed me down in some cases in certain jobs um, or, you know, in certain environments, certain work environments, managers would not like, you know, they ask a lot of questions. And, in tech, it is a bit more of the opposite. It's like, oh, hey, if you present, you know, the list of things that you've worked on on a ticket, and it's like, okay, I've tried X, Y, Z to solve this problem, but I'm still getting this error, for example. Um, can you help me out? And what other areas I need to look into to be able to solve this problem? It's like, 
I don't know, with tech, it just feels like that mindset is seen as a strength. And so in our ERG, we were, we, we had those conversations of like, oh, this thing that, you know, some people see as a quirk is actually really seen as an asset to the company. So it's been really uplifting and empowering to see everyone learn more about themselves, learn more about each other, um, and have these important conversations about, you know, what it means to be neurodivergent in, you know, the work world, especially at an advertising agency, you know, just thinking of ways how we can move forward um, to better advocate for ourselves and any other people that come into our company as well, and the clients we serve as well, to make sure that they're informed about how to to best support the neurodivergent community. So we, we're hoping to have some more activations this year, you know, connect really with, you know, within our group and also expand to new members that come into to our group and, and really, really make some change. So, yeah. Awesome. I love that. And I have to say, Angela, I am so blown away by your growth. I remember when we spoke earlier last year, you were so shy. (laughs) And you just um, blossomed in such a beautiful, beautiful flower. And the thing that, you know, as we've talked about, about being neurodiverse is that our quirks are our strengths. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I always talk about the fact that, you know, I'm dyslexic. And one of the things that that helps me very much with is that I'm really good at really reading people. So frequently, I'm going to know if this person is going to be amazing or terrible. Uh, and <laughs> and figuring out how best to navigate those circumstances it comes in really handy because you have to be able to read people and understand different thoughts and feelings. And so you look upon the things that you know make you different, but they all are strengths for you. So I'm so glad that you've been able to harness all of that and not just do it for yourself, but help it with others. Cause like, that's the best gift that we can give to the world is to show off our, our, our strengths. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's like the key right there where it's like, we, we, I, I like, this is my, I just idealistic thinking. It's just like, I wish we were in a world where, Hey, we can, you know, be a leader, but not maybe like that stereotypical leader people you know different people lead as you mentioned I I am very very shy and I was very very afraid of how I would be as a leader but I'm learning that there's different leadership styles and you know even in there there's more nuances of you know type of leadership you know there's I know for me I I personally like to see myself as a facilitator versus the lead I I want to be a person that facilitates you know, change, conversations, support, just being a supporter of people. Kind of like mentorship, which actually is interesting because I, I did mentor for the Launch Code organization for about a year for one of their cohorts. And again, same same feeling of like, I don't know, I'm really shy. I don't know they can do this. But I, when I flipped it to, to really kind of look at like, well, what I, what do I want to be as a leader? Like, how do I want to lead versus, again, trying to fit into a box? When I took it as that, I, I was able to kind of hone into my strength of being empathetic and sensitive to people's emotions. So like if someone was really feeling down and negative during one of their coding assignments, you know, in launch code, I would, you know, give them the pep talk that I've heard from mentors or that I wanted to hear from mentors. It's like, hey, you got this and this is hard stuff, you know, and it's it's a whole 
career change, but you know, you got mentors here to support you, your peers to support you, the world's your oyster, you know, and you can make, you know, your your path however you want with, with what you're gaining through these programs and you got this and stuff. And I did hear back from a few mentees that, you know, that that support meant a lot to them. And that that made me feel like, oh, I, I did something great and I, I didn't have to put myself in that box. So I, I, I'd love like for the world to be able to everybody in the world to be able to find that that way of working, that way of living true to themselves unapologetically and, you know, just, you know, find their ways to shine. I love that. Um, and that's a great way of looking at the world. And I'm so glad that you've seen how, you know, you can be a great leader by figuring it out to be the best leader for you. Because um, that's the most important mm-hmm. thing. You can't be somebody else when you're trying to be a leader. You've got to be yourself. So we talked mm-hmm. speaking about yourself. Um, what does Angela do for Angela? What do you do for your self-care? <laughs> oh, I, it's, it's so like wide range and I don't know but a lot of it seems to be like centered at home but um another thing that maybe not many people know about me I'm a big gamer (laughs) I love video games so I play things from like God of War Ragnarok to recently playing Gotham Knights and had my sister over there watching me judging me laughing at me or helping me out <laughs> I was like watch out for that enemy and things like that but I mean for me as a gamer I it's, it's not just about just the the act of doing it and you know you know getting the achievements because again I'm like perfectionist but in this case it's more like oh, I just want to see all the things I want to complete all the the missions in the game but it's also the story. I, I like there's different stories to these games. There's some indie games that I really like that are from like independent uh, developers. You know, uh, Benba was one. It was, um, I think, I believe an Indian based game, you know, which is about cooking. But it was like there's a story within that about family and and growing up. And I'm just like, oh, this is, this is like a, a visual novel almost. I grew up with like point and click games as well. It's just, I, I really like the stories that some of these video games tell. And so I like to do that because it kind of, it's like a, a little bit of a break from, from my day to day. And it feels like, you know, just a nice way to, to relax on weekends. So that's one thing. Um, I also recently have been doing diamond painting, diamond painting. You get these drills. I call them diamonds, but they're also interchangeably known as drills are really tiny beads and you get a painting that's like uh, sticky it's like a sticky canvas and you it's like painting by numbers where you're applying the you know associated color to that particular spot and it forms an image that you can hang up and frame and you know share with loved ones and things and I've done about I think I've done about five now I'm working I think on the sixth one right now <laughs> but after that I think I want to go back to to regular painting uh whether cool. going back to doing oil painting or acrylic painting I, I miss that a lot um also digital painting as well um to get back into that so that you know maybe play on the keys a little bit the piano here that I have and yeah just a lot of like creative stuff that I like to do in my spare time love it absolutely love it 
Um, the diamond painting sounds really cool. Um, and yeah. uh, last question for you. <laughs> Um, do you have a give and or ask of the audience? Mm, a give or an ask? What's that? Like a um, like it could a be request? a piece of it could be a uh, could be a piece of advice. It could be um, a book you've read or anything you want. Mm. Um, I think I'll say this, like, because uh, this is something I'm living by right now. A piece of advice, like, and this is something that can stay in the 2024 definitely I encourage it to go beyond 2024 but I've had this mantra in my head of no more in 2024 <laughs> um and with this this mantra in my head I'm trying to remind myself of things that didn't bring me joy things that felt like you know just just brought me me down and you know made me feel a little bit less hopeful for the future it's like like no like you know chase that thing this year you know give your chance that you know give yourself that chance to you know explore that area of interest like if you want to learn web development go ahead take a class online there's a lot of free options out there and a lot of people that you can meet up at different meetups you know be interested in sharing their knowledge with you too and yeah it's like go for that um or if you want to get into a new hobby um I don't know like mountain climbing or, or you know or, sure. um, learning about you know how to ride a bike or anything like that things that you're like well I don't know that I have the time no like make make the time for it you know it's life is so short and you know it's just I want I would hope for everybody you know, to be able to fill their lives with as much joy as possible and to not live with any regrets you know, just so like this year, just have that that mantra. No more in 2024. The, the way that you were last year, aim to not be it. You know, this year. You know, give yourself that grace and and time to shine and um, do the things that you want to do. So that's what I would offer. Awesome. I think it's a great mantra. Like, give yourself the time to do it. Just go for it. Um, mm-hmm. love, love, love that. Well, Angela, I am so delighted that you joined us in the podcast today. We're going to put all details in the show notes of all kind of fun things that you've mentioned that people can look into, like launch codes and the diamond painting. And I am immensely proud of you for doing this. I know you were shy, but you did a great, great <laughs> job. Um, Thank and you. I think that, and I think that you really have inspired a lot of folks with your honesty and your candor. So thank you so much for being part of 29 Days of Magic. Awesome. Thank you so much, Laura, for having me. <laughs> awesome. And that is our show. 